Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Good morning. We got a live crowd here. Live crowd, good morning. They're pumped up. We're serious. The the shirt's tucked in. You know it's on. It's on today. I don't do that just for any occasion. Glad that you're here uh, with us today. And uh, today we're going to continue our series on uh, Born to Lose but Live to win. We're going to continue to worship. And so we hope that you're encouraged this morning. We hope that uh, this is a time where just God can kind of fill you up in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul. Let me give you a few things of what's going on. Then we're going to bring the worship team up. Access VIP, not very important people, but you are important, but very invested people. It's like our members. We're going to be meeting in August. We've got a lot to do as far as uh, planning, praying, getting ready for the fall. It looks like we're going to be starting our home groups probably before we meet. As a, as a large church uh, together. And so uh, the very invested people, what that is, is uh, it lets us know who has skin in the game pretty much. And if you have skin in the game, it gives you a voice to make sure that uh, you're helping us think things through. Uh, we believe that God speaks to all of us. And so we're going to get together in small groups, have discussions, making sure that we're thinking things through as a church as we continue to move forward. And so if you're not an Access VIP, but you are invested or you want to be invested, go to our website. And there's a, a, a tab there that says Access VIP. You can see what it means to be part of that. And you can sign up if you want. And you'll be a part of these meetings and have a voice on shaping the church, but also moving the church forward during this season. So just want to give you a heads up on that. And again, an email will be going out. If you do not get an email, you're an Access VIP person, you don't get an email this week, make sure you contact myself, Brian, at go to accesschurch.com, or Laura Lee, Laura Lee at access, go to accesschurch.com, one of us. And we'll make sure uh, that you get on that list. I think that's about it. It is a beautiful day here at the Cove Pound. Andrew, thank you for having us here, as always. And if it's something, yep. Well, you got a bigger hand than we had for starting church service, man. You're a pretty popular guy. So, uh, yeah. So every week, we've definitely been growing. We invited a, a few people, and now it's growing. If you want to be a part of it, um, shoot me an email. Just let me know so we can kind of know. Uh, who's going to be coming, uh, but feel free. If you don't want to watch online, you want to see people, and uh, feel free to let us know. We'd love to have you out here. I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to get ready while we pray and just jump right into it. Sound good? Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we have together, and um, we want to take advantage, God, of the time to slow down, and we're inundated with so much information. We're inundated with um, so many things Tell us what's important in life, and we can forget every seven days why we need to get together as far as we forget what's most important, what's most important in this life, and what's most important for eternity. So God, give us that perspective today. Jesus, thank you for coming here, dying on the cross, rising again so that our sins can be forgiven, death can be conquered, but also you model for us how to live, what a good life looks like, what good relationships look like, what priorities look like. And so thank you that we don't have to guess who God is, but we can know through Jesus Christ who you are and how much you love us. And so we worship you now with thankful hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, today... Every week is a little bit different. Today's going to be one main passage that I want to look at. I want to look at how God and how Jesus, who is God, fully represents and fully is God so we can know who he is, how he responds to a specific 
type of loss. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up, or if you have it on your phone, John chapter 11. That's where we're going to be, John chapter 11. And then we'll also be in 1 Thessalonians 4, which is a little further in the right if you have a paper Bible. Uh, otherwise, it's easy to find. 1 Thessalonians 4. But we're going to start in John chapter 11. We've got a, a lot that we're going to kind of read. I kind of want to just take our time and really, in a time period where we're looking to so many people for answers that don't have any answers, no man has answers about the future. But God has those answers. And so we're going to see God's perspective and hopefully take comfort in that, wisdom in that, and that it, it, it transforms our life. It's not just informative, but it begins to, to change us. Uh, we're looking, if you've been following with us the last few weeks, different aspects of loss and how loss impacts us more than we realize and that we live with it daily. And if we're not aware, it can be impacting us. And actually, I talked about the first week where if you're not aware of loss, it could be little loss or big loss, if you're not aware, you live two ways, either constantly overwhelmed or constantly controlled by the feelings of loss, right? And so if you haven't worked through certain loss, you can feel angry, you can feel depressed, and that can be overwhelming. And then any other little loss, it's just like it's, it, it be, it's too much. And if you actually observe and watch people, there's constantly happening and people are controlled and overwhelmed and, and paralyzed in a way. And especially Christians, their faith can become um, where it's just paralyzed. And so God walks us through how to deal with loss because it's going to happen. As soon as we're born, we're constantly going to be living with that. Today we're going to be talking about something important, especially in light of what's happened this last week. And uh, we posted it on our Facebook page, but I just want to just remind uh, everyone that's watching, uh, Eric Martin, um, who is a dear father, son, grandson, brother in Christ. He was so vital, I believe, in our church, and, and I'm thankful for him as a friend and that he was a part of the journey. He passed away this last week. Uh, several years of battling melanoma, and in the midst of that, all that suffering inspired thousands of people by starting a nonprofit, but also within our church as far as when you watch someone suffering constantly, yet trusting God. You can't help, I hope, but let it transform you and inspire you. And to realize that God gives us a certain gift. And some of us have this lot where we're going to inspire people through our suffering, through our difficulty, and we're actually going to use it for God's glory, which is part of the passage that we're going to be looking at today. Just need to make sure someone's, we're all good. People are going to be running around, but again, country church, that's how we do it. So, uh, yeehaw. yeehaw. Oh, man. I think we're getting people to click off this right now on YouTube. Our views are going down. Nothing is for sure in this life for every person except death. Yet we live, we live as if, I'm going to have to use these, dang it. Yet we live as if it's never going to happen, and when it does, we are incredibly ill-prepared. Let me read that quote again. Nothing is for sure in this life for every person except death. Every person's going to experience it. Yet we live as if it's never going to happen, and when it does, we are incredibly ill-prepared for the very thing that is inevitable. In the midst of this, we also know that grief, the importance of it, I talked about a few weeks ago, grief embraces the tragedy of death 
but it also embraces the hope of the reality of the gospel. The gospel, the gospel intersects with death, and it redefines it for us as Christians. And lastly, this last quote here, death is the ultimate revealer of our theology, however true or misguided it may be. Death is the ultimate revealer of our theology. What we, theology is a study of God, what you think about God, however true or misguided it may be. I don't know if you've seen that before in, in our lives. I've, unfortunately, I do quite a few memorial services. One of the weirdest ones I had to do was for someone I didn't know, but they couldn't, he wasn't a part of a church. I don't think he believed in God. Um, they had difficulty even finding people to come to the service. Um, when I got there, uh, I was literally finding out about him as I was there. There's only a, probably a handful of people. And when you think about the totality of your life and the loved ones and, you know, it's like this guy didn't have a lot. And what was interesting to me is nobody had really anything great to say. So their stories were like, oh, I remember when we went, you know, riding bikes together. Oh, those were good memories. The to totality of someone's life, you know, he's a hard worker. The total, no impact, no sense of changed me, helped me, forgave me, loved me. I found out through just those stories that it was hard because he was a bitter person. But here's what's interesting is everybody ended it with this. But he's in a better place. Why do we throw that on? The, we just throw that in there because our theology is, in the end, God really doesn't mean what he says. In the end, I mean, come on, it's kind of like for some of us as parenting in the end, we're counting the three, but you're really not going to follow through. You're going to count to 10 probably after that, right? Have you ever seen those parents? Count to three. Are you going to get a spanking? Count to three. And the kid's like, no, you're not. All right, now I'm going to count to 10. And we view, God, we view God that way. It's like he's really, however misguided. The goal is not to have a misguided. You can't get this wrong. If you get everything else wrong in life, you can't get this wrong. Who God is in the midst of our life, in the midst of death. That counts. Because there's a difference between saying goodbye to someone and saying see you later. Mm -hmm. And even if you're living with fake hope, fake hope's not real hope. It's still fake. We want to have real hope. And Jesus gives that. John chapter 11, 1 through 45. And by the way, when I say that, this is why I'm excited in some sense to memorialize Eric's life. We're going to memorialize and we're going to celebrate, not because Eric per se was a great guy, because none of us are great people, but we worship a great God, and he was saved by grace, by faith, and I know that for sure. It was interesting seeing his transformation as far as a year ago when he came to our church, really wrestling and almost kind of a, a bitterness of like, why is God allowing this to happen? Why, 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 why? And then a year later, Days before, he would transition to be with Jesus. A beautiful, sweet conversation I was able to have with him. That bitterness gone. That sense of I know why God had me. I lived out my purpose. Physically saving people as far as melanoma awareness. I mean, me. I, I began to get my skin checked, all that kind of stuff. His awareness. But also spiritually, that piece of he said, he goes, I'm tired. I'm ready to be with Jesus. He reminded me of my mom. And I've said this before when my mom passed away. The beauty of my mom was not only did she show me how to live, but she showed me how to die. John chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 1. 
A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Anybody remember Mary and Martha? A great story, right, of Martha is in the kitchen, busy, Mary at the feet. Martha's like, hey, that girl, my sister, needs to get in here. Martha's probably the older one, right, because she's super, the older ones are super responsible, you know, making sure that Jesus is taken care of because, you know, you got to take care of the Son of God. He can't take care of himself. And so she's in there slaving away, and Jesus says, she's chosen what? The better. So it's not bad to work hard, but there's something better in life. It's to be at the feet of Jesus. And it, it helps you understand when to work and when not to work and when to rest, right? So she chose the better. All right, so this is the, the, the sisters. Now, they have a brother, Lazarus, that if you don't know, um, they all lived in the same house. Bethany's just a few miles away, I believe, uh, maybe even shorter than that, from Jerusalem. This is leading up to a few months before he's, I know the next chapter, it, it's almost like, okay, he's going to die pretty soon. It's actually a few months before. So there's a few months between chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13. So, uh, so he's a few months away from going to the cross, and he knows it. This is the setting. And so he's, he's been ministering in the northern Israel for most of his life, and now he's going down south, and he knows why he's going down. He knows the gravity of the situation, what's going on here. So this is the situation. And it goes on to say in verse 2, This is the Mary also who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of Man will receive glory from this. Check out God's perspective. Not only does our, is our life supposed to live, not for ourselves, but to give glory to God, that when people see us, we point them to Jesus, his goodness, any prosperity, any sense of courage, any sense of forgiveness, any sense of, man, you're such a loving person, you're such a giving person. It's not my personality. It's not the way I'm wired. It's not because I'm a good person. All of our memorial services should point to Jesus. Not, but not only our life, our death, his death will point glory to me. That's where the Bible talks about that. All things point to the glory of God. So he says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. His disciples uh, objected, Rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Like you could endanger your life going there. And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight in every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. Notice how Jesus even looks at death. Falling asleep. Just like going to sleep. But it's God who wakes people up. And so when we see people in life that don't get God, they're asleep. It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's not even one where I need to experience God more deeply. Mm -mm. They're sleepy. There's a sense of waking up, that the veil is taken off the eyes, and I can see God for who he is. And that's what Jesus does. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. Do we see the intellect of the disciples here? Like now they think he's literally talking about sleeping. <laughs> and you know that Jesus goes, <sighs> like these are my, this is my leadership team. I don't know if any of you have a leadership team at work <laughs> where you're like, <sighs> just know you're just like Jesus, right? You're just like, oh my. Mm. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, you guys. All right, you idiots. 
I'm reading into the Greek there, all right, you idiot. So, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. So he's trying to be bold. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down from the road to Jerusalem, and many people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. It's interesting where, I don't know if in our lives we've ever wanted God to do something now, and then that dream died, that opportunity died, or maybe the loved one passed away in our life. Maybe for some of us there's been miscarriages. I know for us, buried our little baby girl, stillborn. Maybe it could be a parent, brother, sister. I know with Eric we even talked about that. And it's one of those things that it reminds me of Deuteronomy 29, 29 that says, things that are a mystery are for God, but things that are revealed are for us to obey. We desperately want to figure everything out in life, right? Have you seen this in the news? How bad is COVID going to be? How many people are going to die? When is it going to end? And have we noticed even the experts, nobody has the answers, but only God knows. And that bothers us because that's us wanting to be God. I want to be God. I want to have all the answers. I want to know everything laid out. And we'll always struggle in our faith. And for some of us, maybe we'll lose our faith when we try to replace God and we're the ones that are in control and we know all things. Things that are a mystery, there's some things are for him. But let's obey the revealed things. There's enough in the Bible that are hard. Let's just obey that. Right? And so you can see Martha was struggling. She loved God, but she was struggling with God. Have you loved God and you struggle with God? That's normal. And, and it goes on to say, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Mary said, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? He's using the death of Lazarus to confront the theology of Martha. I know for me, one of the things that's been most clarifying in my life is I've been thankful to be a pastor because I have these clarifying moments when I'm usually in these moments before people pass away. And it makes me evaluate my own life. It reminds me of, you're going to be there someday. Don't live life like you're never going to be there. And it's interesting when you live life in perspective of death, how it changes your life. What really matters? What we get anxious about? What we prioritize? What we strive for? I believe the reason we don't know how to live is because we never think about how we're going to die. And if I want to live forever, are my priorities straight as far as believing in Jesus the Son of God is my Lord and Savior, and starting with that, because He is the resurrection. But we live in a culture that says, no, the resurrection is going to be some pill or some new diet fad or workout fad. I, I think it's always funny when it's like, I'm going to live this much longer by eating blueberries or things like that, you know? And it's like, it's not going to, it's never worked, it's not going to work. Only Jesus. And so it helps me to prioritize what really matters. And so he, he asks her, do you believe? 
She says, yes, Lord, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Notice she's clarifying who God is, and that's important. You've got to understand who God is, his role in your life, that he's a savior. This is important because some of us want to come to God, and I don't want him to be my savior. I just want him to be my miracle maker. So we want God, God, I'll follow you, but you need to change my finances. You need to heal this person. You need to give me this kind of a family. You need to get this kind of job. Have you had those people? I'll go to church if you do this. And so I'll make a contract with God. And God doesn't make contracts. He makes us sign a treaty of surrender. Big difference. Big difference. And so she's having to clarify who God is. That you understand that he is our savior. And only him, he can give life. And she says that then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary, Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people were at the house consoling Mary, saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see the shortest verse in the Bible. Then Jesus wept. I want us to notice something here. Even though Jesus knows the end result, he still weeps with us. Some Christians struggle with weeping. And when there's difficulty and you lose a loved one or you lose a job or you lose something that means a lot to you, they give you a Bible verse to cheer you up quickly. And what they don't understand is it's okay to weep, that there's a strength in weeping and actually there's a godliness in weeping. Men that don't weep, we're stuck in this American cultural sense of I'm tough, I'm strong, I don't need to shed a tear. You're actually very weak and it's a facade. You're playing a role. You're playing a game. God's created men and women to weep. But just because we weep doesn't mean that we negate hope. Just because I cry doesn't negate the power of God. If Jesus wept, we can weep. But he weeps with perspective. Someone who's a Christian, someone who's not a Christian, they weep very differently. Jesus wept. He was sad. What was he sad about too? Just the reality. It stinks that we have to die. It stinks that we have to get sick. It stinks that there's cancer. It stinks that there's sin. The fallenness of the world. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Someone said that when I was at um, Eric and Shamika's house. And someone said, this is not the way it's not, it's not supposed to be this way. And I said, you're exactly right. And that's why Jesus rectifies all things. Because we messed all things up. This is why we need Jesus. But even he weeps the fallenness of the world. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he, um, he loved him. But some said the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Some of us have a faith like this. God doesn't come through. There must not be a God, which makes no sense. I find it interesting. Well, God didn't answer that prayer, so I'm not believing in him. Uh, him not answering your prayer doesn't negate that he's alive and living. Like that doesn't. But what happens, again, I'm hurt. I have loss, and so I don't respond well. I want to encourage us with this. None of us are at our best when we haven't properly healed and grieved loss. 
And so if you had a lifetime of loss and you've never processed that, given that to Jesus, let him heal that, you're going to live a little wonky in life. You're going to have these weird ways of thinking about God and about other people, and it's going to control you. None of us are at our best. Heck, I lost a wallet this week. Ever done that? Where you're walking around, all of a sudden you're like, you do this? And I have my phone. I'm like, where's my wallet? Immediately the anxiety goes up. Immediately I'm short with everybody. I'm, I'm angry at everything and everybody, my dog, the car, traffic. And now I'm going through my mind. I'm like, where was it? Where did I leave it? I'm calling restaurants. I'm angry. I'm calling restaurants. I'm angry at the weight she picks up. And I'm like, is my wallet there? She checked. My wallet's not there. I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like, the poor girl's like, I, I, don't, I don't have it, right? I'm angry at it. Why? Loss. And it's a wallet. I can replace all those things. What happens when you lose someone you love? This, this series is about slowing down and assessing our hearts and being able to give certain things to God. And the reason we did this series is it wasn't planned months ago. Normally I plan a few months ago, but seeing how our society is, dealing with loss of freedom, dealing with loss and restrictions and how Christians respond. And it's interesting how the church feels like this is the time to judge the world, but it's not. This is a time where I believe God might be judging the church. And what's interesting, it's not judging the church as far as, oh, you're weak, the government says you can't meet, and so you should be, we should rebel. Mm -hmm. No, you can't stop the church from moving, from meeting, and whatever. But what happens is when the sponge gets squeezed, right, we see what's really in our heart and souls. Mm -hmm. That when the sponge gets squeezed, that all of a sudden, squeezed, squeezed, <laughs> making up words, I'm speaking in the spirit right now, watch out. That when it gets squeezed, that we really see what's in our hearts. Do we have a love for God when things get tense, when I might lose my job or the money's not there or the, size, or the person I vote for is not going to be in office where we live and everybody begins to panic? Where's my faith? Where's my faith? And so this is a time for the church to deal with different types of loss, and that's why we're going through this series. And look how Jesus dealt with loss. He has hope, but he also wept because of the reality of the pain that loss brings. And just so you know, when you're in pain, God weeps with you. So weep with him. You won't weep forever, but maybe today you need to. Verse 38 says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived to the tomb. By the way, why was he angry? Because he hates sin. He hates the consequences of sin. That's why he went to the cross. He hates it. He hates what Satan, how he ravages and how this world is ravaged. He hates it. This is why he wants us to confess and repent, by the way, too. He hates sin because, this is why he hates sin. Some of us think he hates sin because, he hates us because we mess up. He hates it because he understands the consequences of sin. That when you just let sin run rampant in your life and you won't confess, you won't repent, where you're going, and it grieves him and angers him. It says that Jesus was still angry as he arrived to the tomb and a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. He said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been there four days. The, sm the smell is terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe in you, that you have sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in head cloth. That had to be a freaky thing. Mm -hmm. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. 
Verse 45, here we go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw us happen. And that's the goal of our life, and that's the goal of our death, that many people would believe. When we do this service for Eric, and I don't know when it's going to be, the goal is that many people would believe. When someone does a service for you, I hope many people believe by the life that you live, that God is glorified through your weakness and through your strengths, through your failures, he's glorified because there's repentance and brokenness. Through the victory that there's strength and encouragement that, hey, I can only say I've got this from the word of God. Where'd you get your wisdom from the word of God? Where'd you get your strength from the word of God? Where'd you get your love from the Holy Spirit who puts the love of God in me? I just keep pointing saying it's because of him. And I'm, that's why I'm excited to get people together to memorialize the faith of Eric, the God of Eric, and that God truly transformed his life. And that there's a testimony there and there's a testimony for all of us. What's crazy about this is that in chapter 12, we see that Lazarus then was hanging out with Jesus. But don't forget this, Lazarus died again. Jesus' ultimate goal is not just to heal you for this life. Some of us want a resurrection in this life. Even if he heals, even if he makes you better, if he does something, there's still death for all of us. The ultimate goal is eternal resurrection. Right now, where I can rejoice is I am, I, I'm sad because I loved having lunch with Eric. And this is why. When someone is battling, you talk about deep things in life. When we're all healthy, we talk about, how much, how's your job? What'd you watch? Golf? What'd you, and it's, what's interesting is when you talk about deep things, shallow things are actually hard to talk about. This is why I think a lot of us are looking forward to getting together as a church and small group. And we'll pro again, we'll probably start there, getting in homes again. I think we miss talking about the deeper things of life. I don't care about sports. I don't care about who's on the back of their jerseys. I don't care how much money they're making. I don't care who's in office. I just don't care. They don't rule my life. They don't dictate my life. They're not who I'm living for. No governor, no president, no world power is going to judge me when I'm dead. One person, Jesus Christ. And you talk to someone in pain, you talk to someone suffering, and, and, and where I learn so much, the people I look up to are many times the people that we look down on. The suffering, the hurting, but they're the ones with the most wisdom and knowledge. They're the ones many times, that, uh, they have to depend on God just to wake up that day. They have to depend on God so much. I don't. I wake up, I feel good, got my two cups of coffee, I'm wired, I'm ready to go. In some sense, I don't even need Jesus, right? You got the health, you got the intellect, brain's working good. Eyes are a little shot, but that's why you got glasses. I don't need Jesus. I got glasses, right? You got everything you need, and if I can't, I can go buy it. But the suffering, they can't buy it. There's no doctor that can help. It's, it's a mystery. No government can help. No education can help. But there's, he, Eric was so close, he had to depend on Jesus. So I liked meeting with him because we talked about the deep things in life. He was an example to me that in my health, talk about the deep things of life. Don't just stay shallow. There's a beauty there. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be celebrating that. The hope that Eric right now, and here's the interesting thing. We want Eric back, but Eric doesn't want to be back. I remember thinking about, oh, my mom, I wonder if she misses these things. No, she's completely healed. New body, new mind. She knows Jesus in a new way. And we were made for him. We're not made for each other. 
This is very hard for us, especially as parents right now. We're like, mm, nope, my kids are made for me. <laughs> no, they're borrowed. You actually, our job is not to raise them to depend on us, but raise them to go depend on Jesus. Amen. And then we're going to pass away, and we tell them, I'm going to pass away, and I want to point you to Jesus, because I'll be gone, but he will always be with you. Amen. And too many of us want them dependent on us. When I lost my wallet, it was interesting that the wallet had no value at all. It's what was inside that had the value. My driver's license, the credit cards, the, you know, the things that I'm like, our skin, bones, all, do you realize that a bottle of Gatorade has more minerals than our body do? That a bottle of Gatorade is, more, is worth more. If you take the soul out of us, a bottle of Gatorade is technically worth more than what we're worth skin, bones, and all that kind of stuff. What makes us valuable? Why was Jesus so desperate to go to the cross to save us? Why? Because what's inside of us? We are made in the image of God. The tree's not. The animals aren't. No system is. We are made in the image of God. And what's inside of us is what's valuable. And what's inside of us is what God wants. He wants our hearts. He wants our soul. I want to encourage you with this, that many times God will allow loss in your life so that you draw into him, you can weep with him, he can heal you, but most of all, he can resurrect you. I want you to know, if you're listening to this, you need Jesus Christ more than you need government aid, more than you need a higher education, or more than you need more money. Because you can't take any of that stuff with you when we're done here. When you take care of how you're going to die, it takes care of how you're going to live. And this is why Jesus went to the cross. He was pursuing the stolen, the lost wallet, right? And I, I, I thought about, too, the person that had my wallet. I wonder if they're like, oh, my gosh, because there's some cash in there. I wonder if they went through. It's like what they could have, but they turned it in because it wasn't theirs. Our kids aren't ours. Your friends aren't yours. We are all made for Jesus. And we only stand before him. We don't stand before our parent, our grandparent, or a good friend. So I want to end with 1 Thessalonians 4 as we wrap up and as we go into worship. This is Paul encouraging a church that's struggling with, with people passing away in their church. There's been a lot of it happening, and so he writes them and he says, listen. Dear brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 4, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what happened to believers who have died so you will not grieve like people with no hope. We grieve with hope because we have Jesus and we have perspective, and Jesus gives us that perspective. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. How do we know? Here's the thing. How do we know that there is a resurrection? How do I know? How could I, how could I sit with Eric knowing he's ours from transitioning, saying, bro, it's not a goodbye. I'm going to see you later. You're with Jesus. And I, and I told him, I said, Eric, you're where I'm going to be and where I want to be. You're where I want to be. It's better where you're going than where I'm at. And some of us are like, there's no way I could say those words. Then we probably need to evaluate how much we're holding on to this life. I said this a few weeks ago. I said a few weeks ago, Jesus says, in order to have life, you must lose your life. He wasn't joking. And if you want to keep your life, you're going to lose it. So you can win now, lose later, or lose now, and win forever. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Carmen. Amen.
So glad you're here. He says this, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the, Lord's will, when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a, commanding, with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. First, for the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then, together with them, we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. What do we encourage each other with? This life will end, and we're going to be with Jesus. So before you get your retirement right, before you get your kids' education right, before you get your health right, you can do work on those things. I encourage you with these words. This life will end. Live with that in perspective, and it'll help you make decisions now that will affect decisions forever. Jesus, sometimes we miss. There's a gravity in life and a gravity in church. And I know for me, I was thinking like, man, this isn't going to be very funny. This is going to be like a downer. But it's not a downer. There's hope. And I'm bummed, Lord, that I wanted Eric to have more years, and I know his family did. But God, the short time he had had such a huge impact. It reignited the fire in me to realize, listen, from your perspective, God, I understand that 30 years, 40 years, 80 years, it's probably all the same to you. You're like, come on, it's all the same. We're talking about eternity. And so, God, I pray that Eric's life would inspire our church, inspire anyone who hears, not just with the melanoma and staying, getting the skin healthy and, and having health here, but having spiritual health, knowing that you're not just taking care of this life, but you're taking care of the afterlife. Jesus, thank you for showing that you're a God who grieves with us and for us, but you're also a God who resurrects, who heals, and who desires for something more than this life for us. May we worship you with that perspective. May we give our lives to you in a fresh new way with that perspective. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon.